0: you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. And now, to my guest. Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin', and my guests today have all made pretty significant contributions separately to the Omaha and Lincoln food communities, and I've even had a couple of them on in the past, but now they're joining forces to do things that have just a lot of potential, even moving beyond the Omaha metro area. So my guests today are Mike Barstow, Tyler Schaefer, and Dan Watts. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us.
1: Definitely. Thank you. Thanks, Dan.
0: All right. Because we have multiple voices on today, I would love for each of you to introduce yourselves and then maybe kind of talk about where you stand in this partnership and and kind of what you're bringing to it. Uh, Mike, let's start with you.
2: Yeah, so Mike Barstow, um, I guess in our company technically title is is vice president, but we're a small family business, so I think we all wear many hats and kind of jump all over the place. But I guess like my primary thing, especially with uh, a lot of new projects and things like that going on is a lot of that new project development side of things. Um, also when we opened up backlot tap house, uh, the Detroit style pizza was kind of my baby at the time was going off to learn how to make that and brought that back here to Omaha, which is mostly what we talked about on my last uh, last visit with you here. Um, but no, I think I'm the kind of the one that just try to keep the train on the tracks as we're rolling through some of these projects and being able to work with you know Tyler and Dan on, on their side of the things and just keep feeding them things to be successful with, basically. All right, I guess
1: I'm next. Um, Tyler Schaefer. Um, came to Omaha about seven years ago now by way of Los Angeles and opened a small cocktail lounge called Inkwell. Um, as far as the company as we have it now, I'm technically the beverage director, although we like to call it like, um, vice president of liquids, (laughs) (laughs) all all, all things liquid. It gets a little confusing with ice and gas, but we're figuring (laughs) it out. Um, yeah, outside of that, I, you know, help, you know, write the menus for, uh, anything liquid based and, and look at projects and bars and see how we can best fit ourselves into it and bring my philosophy philosophy of uh, cocktails and such.
3: And Dan Watts, so I'm the Culinary Director for Main Street Theaters, uh, which is kind of our the parent company for the restaurants and theaters. And so anything that we're serving out of the theaters in terms of food, uh, all the restaurants, we manage, um, you know, Make sure all the, all the costs are correct. Make sure the menu items are right. Make sure that the guys have every tool that they need to be successful in the restaurants. And then also focusing on future development as well. Um, we have a few projects that we're doing right now that we're... Really excited for so that's kind of where I fit in,
0: and that's what we're, what we're about to get into. But I want to provide a quick refresher if anyone is listening to this and and doesn't know exactly what we're talking about. Uh, we're talking this is all under the umbrella of ACX Theaters, correct? ACX Cinema. So we, that's probably a good. Uh, should do, let off. Do you that. bring up uh,
1: <laughs>
2: B H G yet? Yeah, not nothing yet on the B H G. We're trying to figure out how to marry all these brands together because it is a little mm-hmm. confusing. So you know, we originally started my family's company back in nineteen eighty eight. I think a little bit before I was born, was Main Street Theaters, and then we transitioned into the kind of ACX Cinemas, and then somewhere along the way came Backlot Tap House, Backlot Pizza and Kitchen out west, and then working with Tyler with his Inkwell concept, and then, yeah, kind of your point, some more exciting stuff
0: coming that just trying to figure out where it all fits in, and just we like doing fun projects. Yeah, so you <laughs> kind of mentioned it. Obviously, I'm the most interested in food, so like yeah. the Detroit-style pizza, when you brought that to Omaha, that was kind of when Detroit-style was... Starting to sweep its way across the nation, but there was nowhere here you could get it outside of like Little Caesars. And if you count that, just <laughs> stop listening to this podcast you, right now. This you is can't not count it. this is not your show. <laughs> that was. Uh, I wish there were some more intelligent conversations
2: on us getting to that point, but that was kind of dumb luck. On we went and thought it was cool because my family's from Detroit, and then it was like it did start taking off on that mm-hmm. national thing. I remember in those days, Dan was with his with his previous job, and we were talking with him on you know the trends of Detroit style pizza. And it was like, we just somehow magically hit it like right as it was starting to rise a little bit, which, yeah, that was a guy
3: won, uh, like one best in his class or something at the international pizza expo in Mm -hmm. Vegas. Mm -hmm. And That was Sean, Sean Randazzo, Randazzo, who from Detroit, who has since passed, um, but has, you know, taught hundreds of people how to make phenomenal Detroit style pizza. But that's what originally kind of started the upward trend of Detroit style pizza.
0: And you guys caught on that wave perfectly. You open Backlot Tap House, which is kind of a, it's pizza in kind of like I would say more of a sports bar type atmosphere. And then very shortly, out, that was in the beginning of 2020. Very yep. shortly after comes Backlot Pizza and Kitchen, which is a little bit more of a relaxed yep. sit-down type of atmosphere. You've still got the Detroit style pizza, but you got pasta, you got burgers, you got some salads, different things on the menu. And to my understanding, that's where you come in, Tyler, because right. Inkwell partners with and all of a sudden you're not just off you're still offering local beers on tap but you've got wines you've got classic cocktails you've got custom cocktails like that was i think when things started to advance and take off a little bit and now i mean Dan sent me a document and just with all the all the developments that you guys have going on now so i'm just going to open it up like where do you want to start like as things whether we want to get into the liquids or whether we want to move beyond omaha there's so much to talk about. You guys go ahead and take it. I thought maybe I start kind of maybe how these two kind of found their way into our organization.
2: Perfect. And then maybe you guys can touch on kind of some of the stuff we're working on. So like Tyler mentioned, he has, you know, the Inkwell bar down in Countryside Village there right across from Westside. And that that bar was conveniently on on the way home from Exarvin Cinema and Backlot Tap House through those days. And we'd always, uh, me and my dad Bill would stop into Inkwell to have a drink or something like that and became friendly talking with Tyler and always talking about, Hey, we've got this project going on out West. You know, we'd love to consult with you at some point, or if you could help. And, us out. and
1: mind you, in these days, I was pretty much the only bartender of my establishment. <laughs> so when
2: they'd stop in, it would, just it was be behind man. the yeah. bar for the most part. So we just kept talking. And I think, you know, then COVID was kind of hap- like kind of started going off and it was kind of like, we weren't really sure where stuff was at the time, and then you tell a funny story of one day we came in, it was just, like, you're ready to go, like, it's yep, time.
1: Yep, there It would be an email here or there. We'd know we'd talk about some stuff, and then I wouldn't hear from them for a couple months, and they'd come busting through the front door a couple months later, and we'd sit around and talk. And, yeah, That's and then one time I had to be, like, it was after the pandemic, so it was probably i don't know probably late summer you guys were like all right it's it's happening it's a go you got to come out here yeah and it, it i didn't know where here was yet so I, had to, it, it, <laughs> I i don't think they had an address yet even so i just say "You know, head west
2: until you find the big building out there so, oh that's it all right so then that was great so then it created you know he started off kind of in that it was going to be that consulting type it was, it was pretty much right. like
1: start a menu to set a program for the bar you know show teach the staff real quick and then you can go back to ink while well, you're good yeah. you're good until you know the the spring menu comes out yeah.
2: and then uh you know that was like three years ago so we're still here and still here. still, still <laughs> going well, through that well eventually we found, we found home, i think it yeah we all enjoyed working with one another and understood what tyler brought to the table as you know i think one of the best you know i don't care what do you call yourself? cocktail yeah <laughs> <laughs> in the Omaha market director of, of know, liquidy the best dire- director, director of, liquids of in, yeah. in one of the best directors of liquids in Omaha so we brought him in and started working on the other projects and things like that and it was just a natural fit so then you know we just joke he he never left and
1: oh, but really did it I mean I was supposed to but then I was supposed to hire some bartenders out there and you know pandemics going on so inkwell slow me and my gm down there I had a gm at this time uh we're just you know switching off day shifts there and then eventually I'm like you know I'm gonna hang out here I was the only bartender out there for a while. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. This, will work. this will work.
2: And then fast forward, I think, you know, Dan had helped us with, with all of our restaurant concepts in helping to bring those menus together and just kind of consulting on those, like I said, with his previous employer going through that whole process. And then, you know, we joke had been trying to hire Dan for like three, four years and just slowly broke him down to the point he finally said <laughs> yes. But it was, you know, getting through all of that and it was it just we knew where we were going with some of our new projects, a gap we had in our company was I was kind of filling the void of a culinary guy and I have no training or really have any business outside of like my opinions of what I liked for food or what I thought could work in a restaurant. And we needed that guy who actually understood, I think, just the science and and the, the technique and how to execute all those sort of things within a, in a kitchen, but then going beyond just, you know, being a chef within kitchens, right. Bringing in somebody with his expertise and background to help us from all of our systems within the restaurant the inventory you know back of house just management I think Dan's just a natural leader from like a motivator of kitchen guys and understanding where those people come from and and their background you were in those kitchens for for however many years but we needed that influence in our company for sure for our current businesses but then where we're going as well somebody to kind of lead that whole side of it so that's kind of where, where Dan came in
0: Now, Dan, Mike said he's been trying to bring you on for several years. What was it that made you think, hey, this is the right opportunity? This is the right time to make this move.
3: Uh, Future development. Um, You know, one really nice thing also about the restaurants that we have now is we have we have great support from the theater side of it, you know, and you can look at our businesses all the way that you know, many different ways, but it's their theaters, their cafes, their, their theater bars, it's a restaurant, restaurant bar, all this food and, and stuff like that. And so, um, you got to sell a lot of popcorn to do, to do projects and stuff like that. Right. We, we have to have capital to do those things. And so as a chef and that, you know, this is from just my, my opinion here you can choose to, to get on with, with somebody at a company or whatever, but it's, if it's purely restaurants, you know we're kind of in a tough world for that, and if we really want to go as far as we can go as high as we can go to the top of the mountain, we have to have we have to have um like financial backing and one thing that really helps us is the movie theaters that's kind of um the stuff that we use to have fun with you know the things that those uh you know I don't want to get into into it too much, but those funds are are things that we use to um to go travel, do research development, look at new stuff and smaller restaurant groups that are trying to build something like we're doing really don't have that. And so I guess resources is the answer to that resources, other people, um, industry leaders that work for us, that we can all work together, uh, as United front and push forward to go, you know, find our dreams, get what we want.
0: All right. Is the Bayshore expansion, is that a good place to start? It's a great place to start. All right, tell me about it. Bayshore, what is it? Where is it? What's going on? Yeah, so Bayshore is a new project we've got just north of Milwaukee,
2: about 10 minutes north in Glendale, Wisconsin. It was a, you know, it was kind of through COVID and things like that kind of completely turned over and is, is a, a whole new relaunch of a group of developers bought the bought the development out of Texas and are doing just some crazy, you know, incredible work up there on what, you know, rethinking and reimagining what that area is. But, our, our specific part of it is this really cool opportunity to do a, you know, kind of taking our ACX backlot pizza and kitchen concept and adding a couple more things to it. Right. So within this space, we've got six, six movie theaters. We'll have a about a 4000 square foot, you know, FEC family entertainment center arcade sort of component, 11 lanes of bowling and then bringing in the full service backlot pizza and kitchen um, restaurant, that model, that whole thing, bring it in there. And then taking everything we've learned from ACX Backlab Pizza and Kitchen here in Omaha for the last, what is it, two, three years? Last three or years. Three, three year or, year, or November. I don't know how long it's been. Um, but taking all of those things and be able to implement it in, in kind of a new market. And, you know, I think just take that. And I think we're all somewhat serial entrepreneurs. I think that's another thing you didn't touch on, on, on when you joined us. I think that is a, yes. we all joke, we all have a, we have like a gene defect of our <laughs> willingness to take on just like <laughs> enormous risk with really no, understanding of what it's it a three be. it's a thrill seeker it's a thrill, seeker. thrill of the chase um but i think that's a really fun thing is is that project there that we've got going on and like i said marrying those things and then maybe doing a little bit more of you know what tyler's real background is of of the cocktail side right like this this facility allows us to have a separate bar that maybe is a little more of that inkwell type vibe and then i think the restaurant allows dan you know you can talk more about the kitchen up there versus what we're dealing with the bpk is for sure wildly different and, and bigger for what we're allowed to do
1: well, I, th- I think just a new market, too. It's fun for us. You know, me from the cocktail side just figuring out how to get brandy into my old fashions for the Wisconsin people out there, you know?
2: <laughs> In a new market that is also somewhat similar, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's not wildly different. Right. We're not going to Miami. We're no, not going not to yet. L.A. Not yet. But you go to Milwaukee and it feels very, you know, it is a Midwestern, some of the same sensibilities. It's a working class. It's Omaha towns, steroids. It is. Yeah. It is that. Um, and that's a really, I think, a comfort level to it. I think for all of us, so the first time going up there is like, you know, it's a big jump to do this project, right? But you go up there and you're sitting at a restaurant yeah, or a bar. I get you're this. Like, this. I've seen this. Like, this feels familiar. Yeah. I think we can do this. If people like what we're doing in Omaha, there's no reason to think
0: we can't connect that same way up there. So I'm really interested in what you just said, to, and we'll get back to the overall project, but what you just said, like figuring out, I got to figure out a way to get brandy into more of my drinks because these people like brandy up here. I do, like I what, what type of research goes into, and you can touch on this too, Dan, with food, what type of research goes into figuring out what a part of the country likes? Because like Mike mentioned, this is still the Midwest we're talking right. about, but it's probably six, seven hours away. That's, you know, quite some distance and yeah, there are different like cultural, cultural, tastes how, how do you figure out what resonates with different groups of people i mean the easiest thing and
1: the best part about i think all of our jobs is you go there and you enjoy the nightlife and you go out on ta- out on the town with purpose but you know you go i mean that's you <laughs> it's know, sometimes with, with purpose, with purpose. <laughs> it, it's, it's r&d as i like to say but that's you know coming to omaha even from los angeles came out you know spent a good week just i, I think i went to like every bar i could see in omaha and like 48 hours it was it was a little little tough but <laughs> but really a lot of that's going out there with purpose looking at menus looking at what people are drinking talking to a bartender talking to your waiter you know or server the the uh the the great thing about this industry i think is the openness and the you know the rising tides bring up all ships kind of feeling and mentality mm-hmm. so you know sitting there and you know just kind of pressing for some information but a lot of it's just experiencing experiencing what's going on I, and You can't, I believe I cannot consult or work in a company or create a menu for anywhere if I can't go to that place first and spend a good amount of time. I know there's people out there that will do it, that will, you know, go back and forth with email, and the internet's a great resource. Um, Whole new AI stuff going on that I'm terrified of. Um, (laughs) It's going to replace all of us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They can write menus better than me, apparently, (laughs) but the AI can't go get, you know, a little bit tipsy on the on the strip of milwaukee eventually maybe but for me it's a lot about experiencing the people the culture the flavors the taste even if it is fairly similar to what you're used to you will pick up on those those differences
0: Mm -hmm. and what are some of the subtle differences that you've noticed in the palates when it comes to food dan well i mean
3: yeah (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) and you know like fish fries fridays like it's not just during lent um it's it's very much comfort food. It's very much, you know, uh, feels like what Wisconsin is, what Milwaukee is, is like eating at my mom's house. You know, I go in, there's home cooking, there's comfort food, uh, but then, you know, things that are a little bit more engaging that we can be unique with uh, on our menu. Smash burgers, doing different, different types of fried chicken, things like that. Fun things, not just for, like, game days and things like that, but... Uh, that are things that people we eat throughout the week. And so the way that, you know, I would do that and that we do do that is we work with a company initially. What I like to do is I like to get, like, market research trends. And a lot of people say, trends, trends, what's that mean? You know, you can you can look at trends from a countrywide thing. You can look at it from, you know, from the coasts and in. But really what we do, we have a company that we work with out of Chicago that will, will drill down to a specific zip code, down to – the demographics that we know we're going to serve. And then they'll be able to tell us, you know, what, what they like, what they're eating the most of based on restaurant menus and kind of some sales that multiple companies share throughout the country. So initially that's what I do. I go through and look and I'm like, Hey, what, what is this if I haven't been there? But then I fully agree with Tyler and Mike knows this, the way that you go and learn a community is you go and you talk to people, you hang out, you watch stuff, um, participate, have a good time, enjoy the things that they enjoy and like seek to understand what's happening there. Um, I feel like the, you know, the place that we have Bayshore was a former business that was, you know, bowling and theater and restaurant. I don't think they did a great job of, of researching the folks of Milwaukee. Cause when you walk in, there's, you know, uh, galvanized trash cans and, you know raccoons on the wall and stuff like that, and, and it's like you know, um, not everybody in Wisconsin is is like a, a redneck Backwards like that. You know, a, a backwoods like hillbilly type. Um, I'm sure there are very many, and I I appreciate and respect those people as well. But we are looking to uh, to include everybody there, and it's not just those folks. So that's what we did. That's what we're doing now. And so obviously this will still be a backlot pizza and kitchen up there, Uh, kind of the shoulders of it, Detroit style pizza, all the same frame. But then we're going to just do some regional favorites, Um, some influence from Chicago, influence from
0: Milwaukee, and really try to have fun with it. What was it about Milwaukee that presented a good opportunity to expand outside of Omaha for the first time? You kind of mentioned the cultures are a little bit similar, but as opposed to anywhere else, why this location?
2: Yeah, so I, I think I'll take the first stab at that one. But so I've been living kind of splitting time for the first half of it between Omaha and Chicago, kind of for like the last six or seven years. And, you know, we were I was in Chicago when COVID first hit. And I spent most of the following years here in Omaha, just we were trying to figure out what was going on with our businesses here. But I had been working with a broker, and we'd identified Chicago kind of as a market that we were interested in, um, figuring out something there, probably not a Theater at the time, the more it was just a you know a food and beverage playwright, a restaurant or a bar. What could we what could we figure out there? And kind of on a whim, COVID had hit, shut everything down, and I was sitting at home. And Roker was like, "Hey, there's this a different place, a restaurant up in up in Milwaukee. If you've got some time, I think you should go check it out. It looks kind of interesting." I was like, "All right, what? Well, nothing. Everything. We every got business, time. We like, got time. Was mm-hmm. shut down. We had nothing going on. I was like, yeah, sure, that'll kill a day. So I drive up there, and we looked at the place, and it just really wasn't the right fit." But somehow the guy who was showing it to me had heard that we had kind of a theater background, right? So he was like, hey, if you've got 15 minutes, we can head north and I'll show you this other place. And again, the answer is like, man, I've got absolutely nothing to get back to, so let's go up there. (laughs) So he went up there and, uh, you know, the the development looked very different at that time with everything shut down versus what it is now and kind of crazy growth and expansion going on. But went through, walked through the building and was just like, okay, this is kind of interesting. Like I said, saw some parallels between what we're doing out at ACX and BPK currently of you had an existing site that had been shut down prior to COVID. It was not COVID that took them out. They were closed for a couple of years before that, but it was, you could see, okay, so the theater with the restaurant and adding in these other components. So it just kind of started with, I think, not falling in love with that space, but seeing the opportunity in that space. And then it hit to that next step, right? Then it became doing the market research and digging deeper into Milwaukee and all these things. Then I think then it was just like, not that you're convincing yourself, but you keep getting that comfort level of like, okay, no, this is similar. I do see the similarities. This feels familiar. And you start just bringing all that information together and go like, yeah, this we can do this. We can pull this off. There's no reason we can't. We have to scale up. we got to add some people to our team like Dan and, and Tyler to help us execute it. Um, but I think we just, like I said, over time it came together. The deal was right. And we're in it now. Now we got to
0: figure it out. Now the real work starts. I think it comes at a very interesting time. because so I was actually listening to a podcast with David Chang, the celebrity chef the other day, and he was bouncing back and forth with another uh, with a guest about like food trends and restaurant trends. He said if he could put stock in any restaurant trend right now, it would be in experiential dining. He said less and less people are going to be going to restaurants just to eat but they want to go do something so that means high-end food in a bowling alley or he, I, I don't know about this one but he thinks people will actually go to amusement parks to eat at restaurants there and maybe that is the case someday i don't that seems a little far for me but <laughs> I, I, I don't know to each their own have you so, had the churros at disneyland <laughs> uh, see i have not maybe if i had i'd be packing my bags right mm-hmm. now i also have cheeseburger egg rolls that are incredible and a pickle <laughs> So sounds like so we're in. So, yeah. Sounds like I'm just there the go. one who's missing out. But I mean, what you're describing here is kind of that it's, Hey, it doesn't have to be, let's go grab some pizza and a cocktail, but it's, yep. let's, let's go make a night of this. Let's go see a movie. We can go bowling if we want to, you know, we don't just have to have dinner, but we can say we can have three or four drinks and try a bunch of the menu. W- what is it about experiential dining that kind of excites you guys and bringing all this together?
3: I I like to say this is like, you know, when you go to a restaurant, I mean, and there's a bar in there, you're going to eat, you're going to drink. I mean, that's how many different ways can you experience that? Not very many. There's like 95 different ways to experience what we do at our at our theaters. You know, if you look at ACX 12 plus, which is an Elkhorn, has the backlot pizza and kitchen in it we'll have people come in that, that maybe don't want a cocktail from our restaurant bar. They'll go to our theater bar and get a, a frozen mixed drink or something like that. Um, then maybe they'll snag a pizza. Then maybe they'll go in the theater. There's there's pure theater people. Um, people come in full-on dinner, movie. You know They'll bring their kids. Kids go over and play games. Parents can stay in the restaurant, do their thing, and even go and see a movie if they want to. Kid goes into a different movie. Parents see what they want to. So that's where it's really at. And And that's how it works for us is, you know, if you look at a a standard restaurant in Omaha, you know, let's say Monday through Thursday uh, when it's cold out, those those aren't great days for business. They're really bad Um, for us, like in the movie theater, Tuesdays are five dollar Tuesday with like two dollar small popcorn, two dollar hot dog. dog. And so, like, if people can, you know, hey, I'm going to go over here, I'm going to see a five dollar movie. I'm going to get some food from the restaurant, though, and carry it over. And we offer all that eat, drink, whatever you want, as long as you purchase it inside our building. Um, But that's why it's really great is it's just, it feeds off of everything. You know, when the, when the theater isn't crazy, when there's no great movies out, let's say on a Friday, Saturday, the, uh, the restaurant is just killing it. The restaurant's rolling. And that's kind of where we're at with the restaurant right now at West is we're fully booked on reservations on Friday, Saturdays, line out the door, 45 minutes. Um, That's where we want to be full takeout, full everything. So So that's why this is interesting. And when you compare that to kind of what other people are doing around the country with with dine in theaters or with, uh, you know, expanded concessions inside of theaters, no one's really taking that step forward and saying, yeah, we're going to have full on beverage professionals, culinary professionals. We are making food to compete with other restaurants in our class. We're trying to be the best. I'm not just serving a smash burger and a pizza inside a movie theater uh, as a mail-in thing. We are, that's our, that's a, it's a, the restaurant is separate. Right. Um, and so that's one really cool thing for us. And then looking at, at Bayshore as well. And then the, you know, there's bowling, there's like Mike said, family entertainment centers, FEC and movies in the restaurant. It's just like people come in and there's, there's a central pivot point. We're going to service those people there, and then they're going to jump off and go and do whatever they want. And that makes it really interesting from, you know, the kitchen side of it. It's like usually the way that you have to schedule, the way that you have to staff, like, is such that I'm only staffing when, when my restaurant's going to be busy, right? In the middle of the week, I'm short, and then as I roll up to the weekend, I'm I fully staffed and I'm ready to go. We have guys in our kitchens all the time. Our our kitchens are fully operational, fully functional at all times, and that also provide you know volume cures all. That's a that's a restaurant statement. Volume cures all. Volume cures all for us, and each individual part of it supports everything, including the bar as well. You know we we have people regulars that just come out for what Tyler makes, um, seasonal cocktails, something random off the top of his head that he can come come up with. Um, so it's all. It's that's why I love it. That's why I joined this company. Actually, you know, to kind of answer your question earlier, is it's the focus isn't just on the restaurants. The focus is the support of the whole business. Um, and it's super fun.
1: Well, and to that point, point, mean, you know, someone we haven't who isn't here with us today, but someone who's been big to our team lately is a woman by the name of uh, Sarah Ellenbolt. And her job is director of hospitality, I guess, is kind of, you know, along with the liquids and the solids. Liquids, (laughs) solids, (laughs) Really a position that's really there tying this whole experience together, which is a job within itself. And I think it's going to be key at the Bayshore property of being that building that pivot point where you find a way to staff and help the guest experience everything we have to offer. Because it it is it's going to be a bit of a bit of a learning process.
2: And I think on that, collectively, we are just a hospitality brand company. That's all we want to do. And, you know, I think one of our things is, like, you know, deliver elevated experiences, right? So it's however form that takes, whether it is the food, the beverage, you know, the movie going. We've got, like I said, our team. We've got Sean Metzler, who's been with our company. He originally started managing um, Excitement Cinema back when we first opened that in 2010. But we've got these people that are leading all those different components. And then it's really fun when we all get to get together in a room and figure out Bayshore, for example, right? Like, all these different people responsible for different things coming together of like, how do we provide the best experience we can with the highest quality products? And I'm not using the cop-out. I think one of my favorite reviews we ever get at BPK is if somebody comes in thinking it is a, I won't disparage our competitors, but think it's going into a theater restaurant, right? Or, or theater food or something like that. And somebody comes in and sits down and, is having a Vukare off the cocktail menu and gets, you know, maybe Dan's running a steak special like he's done. you got live weekends, music that out in and you've the corner. you got Chris Ob playing music, and you've got all these things going on, and they just go, like, you can see it in their eyes, and they're just like, I had no idea. I thought this was just like yeah. a theater thing. And I think that's our that expectation is pretty low with it being attached to the theater, which allows us to just blow by it, and that's just. But that's where we drive. That's where we drive.
3: And that's what separates us from our competitors as well in the market is that, we want as good of food and beverage as we possibly can. Um, if that's next to a theater, if that's in a theater, then so be it. Um, but we don't want to mail that stuff in. That's important yeah. to us. And that's you know kind of goes along the lines. I think a few weeks ago we watched a, a YouTube video, a guy from 11 Madison Park from EMP. Um, he was talking about how, you know, uh, unreasonable hospitality is the, is the way of the future, right? Go above and beyond we're going to make sure that anyone that wants to come into our building gets the best experience that they possibly can. And,
0: uh, yeah, yeah. I, I love that idea. And I think it's so exciting because I remember when, when dining in theaters kind of first started to become a thing probably five or six years ago, at least that's when it came to Omaha, my wife and I, we were pumped and we, we went and tried it a couple of times, not at ACX cinema theaters. I'm not going to name who it was, <laughs> but, and, and I mean, it, It tasted like bowling alley food or, you know, it it was fine. But I was, I was pretty much out after that. I was just like, I can make just as good of food as this at home at half the price. I don't need to eat it in the theater. I'll just eat beforehand. The fact that you guys are putting the intentionality into, no, no, we're going to take restaurant quality food and drinks that would be really, that you'd be really happy to be served at a high end bar. And we're going to bring these into these experiential places, whether it's a movie theater, whether it's an arcade, whether it's a bowling alley or anything along those lines and just combine like the, the ambience of eating out with the fun of doing something like that's a really exciting concept. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And just like Mike said, I don't want
3: to disparage our competitors, but what we go for is, is a a better experience than what you would normally experience in a, in a dine in cinema or anything, an expanded cafe in a theater. Um, and it's kind of hard to say this, but sort of hard to, hard to phrase it, but I, it's very easy to accept less than a great standard when you are running a 60 or 70,000 square foot building. It's like, oh man, well, you know, we have 12 screens and, and there's movies and, and then we also have to do food as well and food and beverage. And do we have chefs? Do we have kitchen managers? You know, how are they ordering and cooking and doing math? And so I think it's just been much easier for our competitors to take a step back from all of that which is allowing us to cut our own path in terms of like the sky's the limit in that regard, because it works for us. Like that math really works our higher level food and beverage with the theaters and the things that we do. Um, it, it makes great sense, um, you know, financially and in, in no, terms so I, of fun I, as well.
2: I think you touched on it a little bit, but like when dine in cinema kind of came to prominence uh, you know, in the last decade was there are some real problems with it where it doesn't work. If you, there's basically two things right if you're if you've got a thousand seats in a building and every movie starting around seven o'clock or something right to be able to you can't do both you can't offer high quality food and great customer experience at that volume. for that many people at a, such for a short window seat a thousand mm-hmm. seats so it's that's why you've had so many dining cinemas go bankrupt or have to shut down locations because it just the math the math doesn't work right and I think we found kind of a magic bullet. share too many secrets we don't want other people doing it but it's (laughs) it is that component of let's pull it back a little bit off a really purposeful high-end product in what those things are and maybe limit you know like the Bayshore project it's only six auditoriums not that many seats that entire building is it'll end up around 400 some seats it's not 1200 right so it's let's get a higher you know ticket average or get somebody increase their dwell time in our building where the theater or the movie component might just be one part of it but You know, if you've got a family, you're going out for a night, right? What that process is or what it was 10 years ago, or even for a lot of people now is you got to get a babysitter. Then you're going to maybe take an Uber to this area. You're going to go have dinner somewhere else. Then you're going to go to the movie. Then maybe after you're going to go to a bar and have a drink or maybe dessert or something like that. And it's, we just want to make that easy. You come to one place and you can do all those different experiences within the one building and not feel like you are just in a, in one of them, right? right? If you go to the restaurant and I think BPK does a really good job of this. If you're sitting at a table, there, you have no idea what's going on over in the theater. the The design of the building is such that it protects you from seeing all that, so that you can have your intimate experience at a at a table having dinner, and it's that whole component where it feels like you're still moving around, and it allows us to maybe offer you a more you know seamless, I think, better experience, um, kind of at the same time. But I think that's just a really interesting change in, in at least the theater industry. And we're talking about the two of them together. I think we also now that we have Dan and Tyler from a bar perspective is like all gloves are off in our development. I think we understand theater, so a lot of them are near them. But we're not stopping at doing pure restaurant plays like Backlot Tap House, or trying to figure out something with the Inkwell brand of maybe it isn't Inkwell, maybe it's something else. Of looking anywhere that a deal makes sense and go. We want to do that'll just be a bar. Dan's got this cool idea. He wants to do this menu. Sure, let's figure out the place to do it. Let's go put it in that market. And like I said, I think we're just building a team that allows us to do anything we find fun or fulfilling. That also has the math work Mm -hmm. so we can still keep doing that business but
0: hey there listeners we'll get back to my guest in a minute but i gotta remind you one more time about certified piedmontese there are certain moments in your life that are so remarkable you'll just never forget them i distinctly remember the first time that i watched lebron james play basketball and the first time i saw the original star wars the sheer awe i had in those moments changed the way i look at basketball and movies respectively moving forward The same goes to steak, thanks to Certified Piedmontese. The rib cap at Casa Bovina is so rich, decadent, and fork tender that it is seared into my brain. But you don't have to dine at Casa Bovina to have that same life-changing experience. This beef is so delicious, even the average home cook can look like a superstar using these steaks, roasts, and ground beef. Trust me, I know from experience. Check out all the options on CertifiedPiedmontese.com and use my promo code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, for 25% off your order. It's time to start creating new beef-centric memories that'll stay with you forever. And now, back to my guest. Timelines shift all the time in any construction project, especially when it comes to restaurants. But just loosely, what what are your expectations? expectations as far as timeline for Bayshore.
2: Yeah. So we're looking at probably late June, early July for every facet of the building being opened. One of the interesting things as a result of COVID out West, I say out West, uh, on Pizza and Kitchen ACX was the restaurant actually opened prior to the movie theater because with COVID all basically supply chain of movies shut down in Hollywood and there weren't really movies coming out. So we opened by necessity the restaurant first, but I think what that did is it helped psychologically separate the two from people's mindsets so for the first couple months, the only way you could experience that building was coming into the restaurant. There was no movies playing. There's nothing over there. And I think we got our regulars in our neighborhood and people discovering us as a pure restaurant, right? And then when we added in the theater, that just kept kind of growing. The rising tide raises all boats. So that kept happening. And I think here we're going to try and do the same sort of thing. We're going to try and stagger the building to where the restaurant might open in in May. And then the theaters come online. You know, I say on a, we're going to stagger it the way construction falls and when we can get them all mm-hmm. open is going to really determine it. But we think we can get the restaurant open first, kind of introduce ourselves to the community that way, start talking to the people, establish its people identity, excited, establish its identity. And then the, you know, the gaming can probably come online at the same time. The bowling might be shortly thereafter. And then the theater comes on after that. And I think that'll really help us kind of launch that site, but it'll be the summer.
0: Okay. Let's go to Chicago,
2: Harper theater. Uh, that one, that's a quick one. <laughs> that one's a quick one. That that's one, a quick one. This one's a really just a fun project for us and I think my family. And just, it's a it's a four screen movie theater sitting in downtown Hyde Park, you know, just off the University of Chicago. That, you know, it's a historic building. It's been around for, what is it? They're somewhere their there, 120 110 100, years. 100, yeah, so 110 the, years, yes. This is like the
3: building's 110th anniversary. Yeah. Started so, as a vaudeville theater.
2: Yeah, and it's gone through all these different iterations, closings, openings, things like that. And it was one of those, again, they had a operator in there and and covid covid was really tough on the theater industry um you know that just relationship kind of ended there and same sort of thing our broker who helped us out the milwaukee site was like hey i know this really doesn't fit what you want to be doing because we want to do the the bowling the restaurants right those heavy heavy not heavy lifts but bigger projects more big food and bath as well and And he was like but these guys are looking for a theater thought maybe you take a conversation and we went and met with the University of Chicago and and just different stakeholders in the community and saw could this be a fit same sort of thing like I said I I live in Chicago now so it's it was 15 minutes from my house so it's relatively easy in there but it was just a fun project for us to kind of I think get our foot in the door in the Chicago market in that community of this theater's ready and it's available let's get this up and running but then do a little bit more so like Tyler's got some really just cool ideas for like the bar in this small theater and Dan, the same way on the cafe, but it's a, it's a way for us to introduce ourselves. And I think, I think where we all want it to go is that step one. And then step two is like somebody coming to, Hey, this bar is really good. Like, Hey, you know, let's do a, we'll do a cocktail bar across the street. We've got a little
1: 1500 square foot place ready to go. We've seen what you can do here. You know, you want to go full bore.
2: Yep. And use those connections to go, Hey, when you guys think of short style pizza and (laughs) try and do that and see if we can figure out some of those things around there. But, that, one, that one's a little bit quicker turnover for us. You talk about timelines. I think we're ramping up. That'll probably open up here in April. Um, they're pretty deep in the, the construction and demo of it. We've been hauling out a bunch of old theater seats the last couple of weeks. I don't think Tyler has forgiven me for that yet. Nope, nope. Uh, <laughs> but ramping through that, and then you know Dan and Tyler are starting to work on kind of what is the food and Bev there. But it is a much smaller.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, is, it is pure theater there. I mean, of course, we want to still give that elevated food and Bev experience, but... It's not not a full kitchen, not a full bar by any means. I'm going to do do a lot of uh, tap cocktails there, stuff where a concessions person with a little bit of knowledge can execute it without a a true bartender,
2: if you will, back there. An espresso martini on a nitro tap. Oh,
1: oh, oh! <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm going to keep saying it. We, anyway. did, it we, didn't, to do we it. didn't... Speak well, it into I, existence, I'm, man. No, I'm doing it. I just don't <laughs> want anyone else thinking about <laughs> it. So I think someone listening to this might say, this sounds really cool. You're opening, you know, projects in different parts of the country, and it sounds like you're you're constantly looking for new opportunities that might pop up. That's also, I mean, that's a lot more difficult when you're talking about locations that aren't in the same city. You can't physically be on hand in these places, at least not all the time. So I think someone's might, someone who's listening to this might just say, okay, well, why not just stay in Omaha? Or maybe, you know, expand to Lincoln or something. When you guys look at it, what's the benefit to expanding outside the city and not, like, oversaturating the market? You know, I, I'm not going to say that I think we've done what we've done
3: here, but our, but our brand is here. You know, we are in Exarbon Village with our Detroit-style pizza, and we're out west with it. We've got four theaters currently, one in Sioux City, Iowa, one in Nebraska City, two in Omaha. Um, and so, you know, with Mike being in Chicago most of the time, he can he can manage that base of operations there all of us here and then further on with other you know things down the road that we're considering but but that's the whole idea is we want to expand and and i love the omaha diner i do i love you i want to see every day (laughs) but but we're ready to do different things outside of here we're ready to to test our brand test our business we're going to test ourselves in other places and see where we can go
2: i also think the be very topical and quote Travis Kelsey at the chiefs. People were talking about winning the second Super Bowl, Right. But I think it is something of like, we've had some success in Omaha and what we're doing and having fun with it. And people really like our pizza and, you know, our theater experiences and inkwell and our cocktails and all those things we're doing. But I think there's that something about that second or that, that expansion of like that solidifies it. Right. I think there's always that question of like, am I just good for Omaha? Do people, is it our connections and things like that, that, is makes why we're successful here. I think everyone kind of wants to go into that, you know, into the deep end to know, like, can I swim, right? It's, can we go out there and, and prove to ourselves that it isn't just a one trick thing, right? It isn't just one neighborhood where we can have success. It's that, no, our product is that good and people will gravitate towards it no matter where we're at. So I think it's a lot of that. I think that's...
1: I think I, a lot of it too is a uh, team has been assembled now. So before, you know, just speaking from my, my places, you know, Inkwell... Like, was I going to open another one? If I was, it was going to have to be somewhere in Omaha or Lincoln. I'm, a, I'm, you know, I have two partners in L.A. that work with me on Inkwell and my brother here. But outside of that, you know, I couldn't deploy anyone anywhere. I'd have to be everywhere all the time. Now we have a, I'd say, a core, what we call the leadership team of about eight to ten people. Um, and we are able to, you know. They, you were just in Milwaukee a couple weeks ago. I was there the week before that. Michael was you know, there almost every other weekend, driving up from Chicago. But we have this whole team of people that is all pretty well-versed in food, Bev, and hospitality, although we all have our own specialties. We can all kind of get out there at different times to where you're almost going to have an arm of, let's say, the, home, the Omaha, the Omaha, uh, home base, <laughs> uh, being able to be on site and kind of keep an eyes on a place.
3: And each time that we do this, you know, every business operates as its standalone thing. Um, if it's a restaurant where a chef needs to work there, then we hire a chef and a sous chef. If it's, if it's a kitchen manager situation, then that's what we do. But, you know, and then those guys run the businesses. Um, they take inventory. They deal with issues. They look at food samples from different purveyors to make decisions on what they want to add. But but that's how that has to go, right? It, it would be foolish of me to think that, you know, I could run restaurants here in Milwaukee and then it's like, yeah. And then when I leave, everybody else just does it. It's impossible. Um,
1: well, and we have that here almost too. We've kind of built something yeah. where, where our businesses, the the businesses we have here now do have really strong people. Eric Christensen out at, you know, ACX runs that whole building, you know, Joe down at the tap house, my buddy Aaron, my GM at Inkwell, where, you know, we could disappear for a month yeah. and they would probably be all right for the most part. But we've kind of tested that system here to where we've been, you know, doing a lot of development stuff. And these places are other than, you know, advice and popping in and, you know, keeping eyes have been running themselves as if we were in Chicago or in L.A. while these were operating here. And then let's not ignore
3: the obvious fact, which is larger cities have greater population densities, so we can find people. Um, you know, we're already in some some light discussions with a gentleman that may kind of run Bayshore for us. He came to us and, the you know, immediately, immediately yeah. and, you know, the guy's great. We won't mention his name because he's not in with us yet, but there's
1: opportunity for that. Um, you see the GM applications for Harper Theater, you know, it's, we've it's, never seen Indeed work
3: before. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. And so, you know, that's that's a lot of it is. And then Dan, it's it's finding those good people, putting them in positions where they're powerful and can be successful, and then cutting them loose and seeing what they can do with their skills. And then communication, communication and training. You know, we just yesterday or the few days ago, we as a team did communication leadership training uh, with a gentleman with a group um, that came in and you know talked to us for 75, 90 minutes about about how to be effective communicators, how to, how to be, talk, how to be great <laughs> leaders. And so when it comes down to that and it's like, Hey man, you know, we're going to open a place and wherever it is great. They need to be trained on how to adopt our culture on how we communicate, why we communicate um, so that we're all on the same page and they can be successful.
1: Well, in the company he works for, I'm not going to bring up the specific one, but that's exactly what they do. They have 300 locations over North America and he is their corporate trainer to bring that culture and making sure you know everything is consistent not the place the business itself isn't the same as the other business per se but that that culture culture, that culture and those core values need to be carried over into uh into every entity that
0: opens i imagine this is this expansion is really fun for you guys at a personal level too because it is changing things up all the time i mean we can talk about you know at inkwell or at uh Backlot Pizza and Kitchen, BPKs. B-P-K. Yeah. B-P-K. It sounds so cool to say, B-P-K. but I'm, like, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to screw it up and say something wrong. I-N-K-B-L-T. I, I very acronymy. acronym internal stuff. Yeah. But, like, you you can create specials there, or, Dan, you know, you can put specials on on Backlot's uh, menu. I've, I've seen you've done some cool dessert stuff. Mike said you do steak nights. Like, you can play around with the menus a little bit, but for the most part, they're pretty standard yeah,
1: wh- some seasonal changes, but yeah, But right.
0: well, the right. core is there. But when you're talking about going to different cities or different regions, and you, we've already talked about it, some... With just different different palettes and different things that people enjoy, you get to open yourself up and you get to play with new flavors. You get to play with new ingredients. You're making a menu that is something wholly different from what you might well, find in Omaha. I'm, I'm sure that there's some stress in that, but there's also a lot of creative freedom too. The, right? There's
1: also product I can't legally get here. You know, with different mm-hmm. markets as far as alcohol goes. You know that they're not available here. So they, yeah, there's a lot of fun. I mean, yeah, it's scary and. I still got to figure out who carries what out there as far as yeah. liquor, but... I think,
3: I think scary is a good way to say it. You know, I ran... <laughs> <laughs> I ran, you know, some restaurants in Arizona and that was incredibly fun, but again, just kind of the same thing. Went down there, really no experience. Hadn't really ever been down there all that much, but, you know, like Phoenix and Scottsdale and Omaha, like, is a whole lot different than Chicago. And so when we were... When I knew that we were going to do something in Chicago and it's like, okay, like, the deal's set. We are doing something and It's like... I have to, like, call people and start establishing myself as, like, a culinary person in a city that I think is, you know, incredibly cool. And, you know, calling calling vendors and stuff like that and coordinating um, But luckily samples. we're
1: starting with a four-screen movie
3: theater. You exactly. Know, we're
1: not trying to open a full kitchen and no, cocktail exactly. bar and here. So,
3: and so just dipping Martos into it um, has been super fun. Um, and just... You know, we're, our, our name is there now, and we're super fortunate, particularly at the Harper. Uh, we're right around the corner, like right on the same block as a restaurant called Virtue. And the gentleman owns that. His name is Eric Williams. He just won a James Beard Award um, for Best Chef Great Lakes. Yeah. And so... Um, Which
2: that's a big deal for it's a really big Chicago. deal yeah
3: it's a really big deal he's <laughs> like you know to be by the buy a beard winner in Chicago you know for me when I was coming up in 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 Omaha restaurants like we would go to sh- Chicago like once a year once every two years and just eat for three straight days and try to expose yourself as much as, as you possibly can there's really almost only so much that you can get from that because by the third day you're just like I feel gross mm-hmm. I am <laughs> gross and so now to get to have been able to trap travel there multiple times times and experience the city and do things like that
1: bite size bite size
3: the comfortability is there and then you know just like I said being able to establish make phone calls with people in Chicago and say hey I I need these food guys to come in and show me this and one thing that's also really cool about the Harper and I love the Harper I think the theater is beautiful but one really cool thing is that it's it's very near to the University of Chicago and they have sort of their whole network, uh, they're far reaching arms of the university there. I've never gotten support in an area um, doing a new project, whether food, beverage, anything like that. Um, than we have from them. And, um, we've sat on virtual calls where they're like, yep, we're going to connect you with the guys that run the farmer's market. We're going to connect you with Eric with, Williams, with Eric Williams. We sat, you know, on a call with him and got to meet him and, and speak with him, which I like fanboyed out on. And I was, had like a hundred questions to ask. And then I asked none because he looked like he was going to be really busy that day. So I just let it go. But, um, yeah, that's, it's a super fun part of it. And that's, that's what I look forward to about the at least expanding to larger cities, it's, it's personally challenging. It's professionally enriching. Um, and you know, like I'm 33, Mike's 32, Tyler, how old are you? 30,
1: Thir- thirty, 30. I'm 30. He 30. 30. 30. 30. just Sorry. turned 30. I'm 36.
3: But you know, this is, <laughs> this is when we, we want to do that stuff. And like Mike said, uh, the whole idea behind it is that entrepreneurial entrepreneurial mindset of, you know, how, how much longer am I going to run restaurants in Omaha for? How much longer am I just going to, is that who I'm going to be? And then what can I be? Who are we, right? And that's what I want to find out. That's we what j- we are going to find out. We heard the
2: quote last week. It was like, we're uh, our company. We're now saying just like one giant unemployable family <laughs> who if we didn't work <laughs> together would all not have jobs. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'd, be, I'd be at many jobs. I just keep going
2: from job to job. It is. That? It's, yeah. That's the exciting part is the new development. I think everyone loves it. The, the really hard part is once it's open, yes. But I think in order to keep that, like engage, keep that excitement. Is like you always got to have that project, that next thing. And I think we've all made the choice personally and professionally. Is like, no, I'm, I'm doing, I'm going for that. I'm not going to be content. To, I'm not going to yeah. sit on
0: my laurels. I'm yeah. going to keep chasing. Exactly. We'll, fi- we'll find that spot. Hopefully, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe one day. Yeah, but yeah. it's not, it's not right now. All right, Tyler, I've got a beautiful bottle of bourbon sitting in front of me. You do, you do. Tell me about it.
1: Technically not a bottle of bourbon. No, it's not bourbon. I'm sorry, it's just whiskey. It's just
0: whiskey. (laughs)
1: Now, there is an 18-year-old high corn mash Kentucky bourbon in that blend. It's uh, by the Barrel Company out of Louisville, Kentucky. Um, That also has a 14-year-old Indiana light whiskey and then some younger age statements of some Tennessee, Kentucky, and yeah. Indiana. Indiana. Indiana whiskey's in there as well um it is then finished off in some um, barbados rum cask and comes in at i can't see it out but i think it's 123.56 a lot (laughs) it's (laughs) 123.64 is the alcohol percentage on that guy so that was a pick that uh me dan michael uh bill barstow and Joe Jackson, to a degree, helped uh, taste and pick, and it's a collaboration between the Backlot brand and the Inkwell brand. And I, I'd almost say it's kind of a commemorative, like, it marks our coming together as two two brands, three brands, four brands, as many brands as there <laughs> are. Um, but specifically the Backlot and Inkwell family is kind of coming together, and we decided to do that. We were going to buy a barrel of whiskey and hopefully sell it to some other people.
0: As you do. Is this going to be more of a thing in the future with Backlot and Inkwell combining forces to create stuff like
1: this? I don't want to go too deep into the combination of Backlot and Inkwell, but in the future we are going to officially marry the brands and kind of come under the umbrella um, but yeah, backlot and Inkwell doing picks together will be. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're looking towards probably late spring to look to do another one. So all right, it's gonna be it's gonna be and it's fun because we do have many entities to move them out of. Um, it's sometimes hard to do these picks unless you have many different stores. So
2: like you, if you just were Inkwell, it's yeah, tough it, to it, buy that could take me a year and a
1: half 000. to you know get 204 bottles out of the front of my store. Um, that's why you know liquor stores can be so successful at them and do some amazing picks throughout the city. So it's nice to be able to have uh, you know the many outlets in order to uh, share this with the public.
0: I know that we also the-
1: all just like drinking whiskey.
0: Yeah, yeah. W- and Let's whiskey. Who, who doesn't? And, <laughs> yeah, come on.
1: Anytime you get to say, I pick this whiskey, yeah. you're going to want to do that as many times as possible
2: we were all giddy for the first like two weeks of every single time I guess would come in. It's like, do you want to try my whiskey? Well, we
1: joke for for Christmas. I think every one of our family members have a bottle or two of this. It's the only thing I gave out for Christmas. <laughs> so my daughter has a bottle of it. She's four. <laughs> she can drink
3: it in 18 years. I know for years. me, for sure. You know, the work that I did before this, I got to travel around with a, a bunch of great guys uh, out of Lincoln, Nebraska. But you know, one guy I hung out with, his name was Lane Rosenberry and he kind of exposed me to bourbon and stuff like that. But um, you know, we would always go around, you know, out to the sand hills, out to Western Nebraska, and we would see these little stores doing their own picks and getting to try them and experience that with the people that do them. I was like, man, if I ever, you know, get a chance, I want to, I want a barrel pick of something. And so, um, yeah. I was super happy so to do it
2: for our sales plug You can come to any of our businesses and you can buy a bottle or get a, or get a taste of it yourself. There you go. Yeah.
3: And we, we retail them for 90, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the private picks, the private release from, from barrel, you know, they'll be on the shelf from anywhere to 110 or 120. Let's, and Mike's, Mike's right. Let's be honest. We do like drinking whiskey. Mm-hmm. We love drinking bourbon, but our goal with this is, is we want to sell it. We want to get another barrel and then just keep doing that over and over again.
1: Yeah, I joke. We, we don't, we're not doing barrel picks to really make money. We're doing barrel picks to to make enough money to buy the next barrel <laughs>
3: <laughs> yep. it's a
1: zero something yeah yeah we just keep yep. it going
3: but this whiskey's incredible and if anyone's interested you know we pour samples we let people try stuff tyler makes cocktails with it i think it's great it's really um, good old-fashioned yep very good old-fashioned and you know this this one particularly jumped out at us i think we tried a, a px sherry cast finish uh bourbon and then we tried a kind of a really old Dusty, D- chocolatey dusty Indiana bourbon, bourbon um, which I'm a fan of, but it was just a, a, a touch tannic and kind of drowned the palate. This is high proof, incredibly smooth, great aromas, coconut. You know, I just it's like
1: it's like the beach.
0: That's what I like it. If the
1: beach was really, really hot, yeah,
0: <laughs> and close to Kentucky. Okay, okay. So. Now, uh, when we were kind of talking about this a little bit beforehand, Dan and all the all the projects that are coming together, you said if not for COVID, all this probably would have happened two or three years ago. So this has all been in the works. You guys have been thinking about this. Do you think that in a way, and and maybe I'm totally off base here, but maybe having that extra time with COVID to slow down and and think things out and plan a little bit more is almost a blessing in disguise? Or were you ready to go at that point?
3: Well, I, you know, I was at a, I was at like a fortune 50 company and I had like a specialist role and I was doing work there. And like, if you recall when me and you sat down, like I loved that mm-hmm. job. I did mm-hmm. and I got to drive around and like my, my thing with restaurants is the, is the human connection is the people, I love the dudes in the back. I love the camaraderie of that. I love, um, you know, restaurants, dining. That's that's what it's all about. And so kind of post-pandemic, things change, people change, situations change. And, uh, you know, my situation changed a little bit to where I uh, I just wasn't getting to do as many fun things as I get to used to do, uh, or as I used to get to do. And so, yeah, well, you know, during the pandemic, I played a lot of golf picked golf up. (laughs) And sure. Yeah. In that moment. Yeah. Maybe some, some moments of clarity probably hit me and Jake and Andy, my buddies to play golf with, but, um, yeah, coming fully out of it and looking at where I was going and the opportunities that I had and where I wanted to be. Um, you know, I, I wanted, I wanted skin in the game. There is what I wanted, uh, that entrepreneur mindset of it. That's what I wanted. And before I worked at the, the, you know, my former employer, I, I worked at some, some, and ran some places in Arizona and kind of left a little bit, left a little bit on the table there, Dan. And so when the opportunity came back up and like Mike says, like, it's, it was like three and a half years or four years. Yeah, it kind of was. And then finally it was like, all right, I'm ready to talk. And, uh, I don't know if they believe me. Um, we believe you. Yeah. Now
2: they do. (laughs) Or Um, it's just AI. Yeah, Dan's got a very. It's it's little Dan.
1: (laughs) He talks to little Dan at
3: night. Yeah, yeah. I've created a, a me, version of like an AI thing that answers questions the way that I want it to. So, we can talk about that.
1: No, Whenever we don't we don't need to.
0: <laughs> well, I would love to yeah. talk about that. We're we're running a little low on time, I think, to talk about Little You're Dan, good. but I'll have to bring you guys back for that. The, the Little Dan episode. In fact,
3: Little
1: Dan will be that he'll just put his phone up there.
0: Yes. Stand back yep. and answer for me. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, so w- we've talked a lot about the exciting projects that you guys have going on, including those outside of Omaha. But I'd love to, because this is an Omaha podcast. For my final question, you guys focus on Omaha itself and just from people who have been in the restaurant and beverage industry for so many years, you guys are professionals. You understand this market. I would love to just kind of get your thoughts on like, how have you seen this food and beverage market in Omaha grow over the past five, 10 years? What are, what are trends that you think have defined it? What are How have palates changed? However, whatever direction you want to take that question, just how have you seen this market change and adapt? Well, like I
3: think you see the, you know, larger places like Anthony's, things like that closing down, right? It's it's becoming increasingly tough to run 700-seat restaurants. Um, and then I think you've also seen restaurants with mega-massive menus uh, either shut down or completely pivot on what they're doing and focus, right? I Why do 100 things that I'm mediocre at if I can do 15 that I am exceptionally great at? Amen, brother. And so that's opened up a great opportunity for a lot of folks that, that previously maybe didn't have the operating capital or investment, whatever, to open a huge restaurant, to do smaller projects, more focused, um, with smaller menus. And I think the food quality is better. I think the, at least your expectation, what, what they let you know that you can expect in those situations at a smaller restaurant that has a smaller menu. I I think what you know what to expect is better as well. And so um, what I kind of thought was that, that that wouldn't really happen that way, that that we would see the big uh, kind of iconic restaurants or maybe even chains stick around and then they would be the ones to, to make it and still be around. And all of the people that all of the hardworking people of Omaha that are trying to build their dream, I figured it would just be like a ten year thing. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and work a general labor job or whatever and and when the market comes back for restaurants, then I'll get back into it. Um but that hasn't happened. Um you know, sort of we're talking about our real estate guy up in Chicago and, and Milwaukee. I mean that dude's a that dude's an ambulance chaser. That dude's a Hearse chaser, right? We are looking of for opportunities like that to go in and jump on them, right? And so Second gen development kind yeah, of Yeah, yeah. And so the same thing here it's presented a ton of opportunities for people locally to take take things that that shuttered shut down weren't performing well and turn them into something that they want and so that's one thing that i've really liked seeing seeing about omaha and and i've i've worked in omaha for like long time quote unquote long time but you know let's say 10 years ago it was it was places like you know dante and boy the room you know like nick and paul kulik and those that was sort of the that was sort of the base of the of the exceptional restaurants that were here right now you see so many more skilled people with experience true artisans doing doing passion projects that's one thing that
1: i think is really cool about omaha right now so mm-hmm. I think you could touch
2: on too i mean you came out of
1: yeah so coming i was you know I did go to college in Iowa, so I wasn't unfamiliar with the Midwest, but I'm a Vegas local, born and raised. And then after college, down to Miami, where I started my real cocktail training, you know, coming from a dive bar in Iowa, where I was working in college, and then L.A. for about a decade. So when I wanted to kind of look at other markets, Omaha popped up on my list. I'd never been here. I'd driven through it a couple times, going back and forth from school but I was, you know, that trip really opened my eyes to what was going on out here where there was some really, and I'm going to speak to the liquids here, but some really incredible cocktail stuff happening, but in a way where it wasn't, you know, like L.A. where it was on every other corner, but also some just really amazing, you know, kind of not historic may not be the word, but just great dive bars that were doing some quality some quality cocktails coming out of them. And that's, that's kind of like what my philosophy is. I, I don't need the... Glitz and glamour. I used to joke about ACX and Backlot when I first went out there. I'm like, I don't think I've ever been around a place with everything so like new and shiny behind this bar, <laughs> but like just doing really cool cocktails out of you know just a a small space that may not look like you know this pristine steakhouse or anything. And there was a lot of cool stuff like that going on here. um And it's you know pretty much been consistently that since I've been here. You know, it's, some things popping up, but just a really good core group of, you know, cocktail bars and cocktail groups. So I've I mean, I've I think this is probably the best place I could have landed to really go into that second stage of my career as a owner operator rather than just a bartender, if you will.
2: I'd say like from my perspective, Dan touched on it a little bit, but I don't know if you remember Dudley's pizza back in Excavement Village back then. That was a business that we were partners in, and it was twice the size of what Backlot Tap House is now, and had a had a big menu. It was trying to do a lot, and you've been back in that kitchen to so imagine them having a multiple page menu is menu. pretty wild. But it was just that. I think the Omaha market, and I think maybe it's not just Omaha, it's everywhere. Is people are getting more, you know, they accept more of like a place that is just good at one thing, and that if I want Detroit style pizza, I'm going to Backlot. Like that's. And that's what I'm here to serve them. So it was like, well, we had all that and had some success there. It didn't really show to the bottom line because it was so hard to run and it was so tough to do that many things. You just hurt yourself. And it was what we did Backlot tap house was go off and learn to do the Detroit style pizza and be able to be the first, you know, first company, first restaurant to really serve like authentic Detroit style pizza in that space and just serve that right like have that we surrounded with a couple of fries and i think we're now we're going to add these motown phillies mm-hmm. which that'll be exciting to add that a couple more menu items there but it's not letting that get out of control right when we just redid all of our menus actually just yesterday looking at them but it's it's making those little changes and not trying to spread yourself so thin and i think the omaha community now because there is so much good food i think people respect that and see that more of like got it you guys just want to be like the authentic Detroit style pizza place that I can go to in Omaha. So that's you do that and then maybe we can add some things that are not so it's complimentary it's, to it. It's based in trust, you know, yeah. trust in the diner that well hey,
3: if these guys narrowed their menu by half or narrowed it down to whatever like well they know what they're doing,
0: right? right. Well, I think and I had-
3: like piggybacking on menu additions and things like that, we we are retooling our menu at Backlot Pizza and Kitchen in Elkhorn. We're going to be adding some things to Backlot Tap House. And right now, you know, just for the listeners, Backlot Tap House is an abbreviated version of Backlot Pizza and Kitchen. It's a classic tap house. Walk in, you order at the bar, we bring you your food. Um, you go up and refill your drinks. There's a self service area, but it's Detroit style pizza and loaded fries and uh, wings and salads and stuff like that. And so we're going to build that out just a little bit more. So there's, you know, maybe uh, some sandwich component. We're going to start doing some really good fillies there um and then like another appetizer or two kind of some interesting dessert stuff just to round that out a little bit um so that again when folks come in if if that's something that they want then then we'll have it
0: well that is really exciting because i'm a huge fan of phillies and we don't really have a lot of great ones in omaha so i'm excited to see what you guys come up with all on dan yeah good luck Dan. Uh, solids Uh, solids. uh, i I love what you i know we got to get out of here but i love what you had to say there mike in that people are starting to think of restaurants I think more of as like I'm wanting this food so I'm going to go here so like I, I think about it even I'd never thought about this but just subconsciously my wife and I if we say hey we want dumplings we're going here or you, if want we, your, you want your favorite dumplings yes or if, hey if we're getting sushi okay it's just like automatic we're going to this place and when we think Detroit style pizza it's you and one other place. I mean, Backlot is really something special, and adding in Inkwell to Backlot Pizza and Kitchen has only expanded it. Seeing the expanded menu at Backlot Pizza Kitchen and hearing about the things you're going to do makes it even more exciting. And Omaha people, I mean, if you get out to Milwaukee within the next year <laughs> or if you're in Chicago and you want to do something that it's an experiential dining, check out these places that we talked about. And I have a feeling you like this is the tip of the iceberg. The way that you guys are moving quickly, the way that you have passion and energy and excitement when you talk about this, I feel like this is a snowball that's just rolling downhill and it's just going to get bigger and bigger. So Dan, Mike and Tyler, thank you so much for joining the podcast today and give me a pretty good chunk of time. I appreciate it. Appreciate thanks, you, Dan. Uh, thank you. In Omaha, as always, thanks for eating with us.
3: A Huda Media Production.